Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. We're wrapping up our three-week series on the end times. Pastor Nicole, along with Pastor Quint Lindblad, have so far discussed the signs of the end times. What will we see happening in the world as the end times play out? And then last week, they discussed the Great Tribulation, the seven years of terrible hardship leading up to the second coming of Jesus. And that's what we'll be talking about today. Pastor Nicole and Pastor Quint will be looking at the scriptures that detail the second coming of Christ, and they'll discuss the promises that will play out when Jesus returns. It's a great way to wrap up our series, so let's turn it over to them. Here's Pastor Nicole and Pastor Quint. Good morning. We're so glad that you're here today. Um, we are actually finishing up our series today called 30-Minute Theology End Times. Uh, we've covered a lot of theological ground this month. Uh, we looked at the um, signs of the times. Last week, we focused on the Great Tribulation and the Rapture. And today, we're going to talk about the Second Coming. So really, this whole series, is per, uh, we did it so that it would pique your interest. We could never cover these topics in short 30-minute um, segments. So we uh, provided for you a um, resource list. It's yellow. It's out in the lobby if you haven't got one yet. And it has all kinds of books and podcasts and scriptures. If you have a question about anything we're talking about or a question that we didn't cover, you can text uh, the word end times in all caps to 97,000. Then we will text you back and say, tell us your question. And then you can submit it. And we're actually going to do a podcast this week um, and try to answer all the questions. I always say any of the two hard ones, we're sending those to Don Fisher's office. That's right. But, Pastor uh, Don's got the hard stuff. He's our, he's our wise sage. But... Um, so, but we're excited, uh, so we'd love for you to tell us um, any questions that you have. So, so far, let's just start here. Uh, we've been working kind of on this timeline we've been working on. And um, so far, we learned that um, when God makes promises, he keeps them. And so we're looking at some scripture, we're looking at some promises that God has made uh, for the end of the world, for the end of time. And so we learned that there will be signs of Christ's coming, uh, and, and that is kind of happening in this church age area. There will be these certain signs that we can point to, um, that we can recognize. And then uh, when the time is right, the Antichrist will come, and he will at first declare peace. He'll make many covenants with nations. Um, he'll seem like he's doing uh, great things. Many will follow him. Uh, but things around the world will increasingly get worse and that will start the Great Tribulation. So we spent some time talking about that last Sunday, um, that for seven years, there will be this thing called the Great Tribulation. Now, about three and a half years in, uh, the Antichrist will demand to be worshipped. The scripture calls that the abomination of desolation. And really, these three and a half years from then until the coming of Christ, um, the world will be terrible. Like unprecedented evil. If you think it's bad now, it'll be infinitely worse then. And it will be the hardest time in all of human history. But after seven years, there will come a day. Uh, no one knows what particular day it is. No one knows the date of the day. In fact, if they tell you they do, they don't. Okay, they don't. Just, they are, they are, nobody knows. That's what the scripture says. Uh, but what we do know is it will be a day like none other. Because God has made us a promise. He assures us. He's coming back again. And in John 14, 3, it says, And if, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back. I will take you to be with me so that you may also may be where I am. So we're going to go where Jesus is, and I'm sure that's going to be the most perfect, amazing, holy place 
because Jesus is there. And so we, we know a little bit about what will happen on this particular day. We do not know the date. We do not know the hour. That's what the scripture says. Um, but we do know that Jesus will come in the clouds um, because that's how he left. We see in Acts 1, uh, 9 through 11, Jesus is talking um, to his disciples and he's taken up before their eyes and a cloud hides them from their sight. And um, they're looking intently up at the sky and an angel says, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So we know that he came, he went into the clouds after he was resurrected, and that's the same way that he will go back. Um, and we do know on that day, Revelation 1-9 tells us that every eye will see him coming in the clouds. And I, when I was younger, I used to like worry I'd miss it, you know, like did I, like did Jesus come back and you I didn't know? You won't miss it. Okay, I don't know exactly how it's going to be. I don't know how every eye will see him coming, but the scripture says it will, and there will not be a moment that you will miss the second coming of Jesus. Absolutely. And so uh, we're going to kind of pick up in the scriptures where we left off last week. If you remember last week, we read from Revelation 19, 11, which describes Jesus. There's so many names uh, in, in the word for Jesus, for who he is. And I shared my favorite is found in Revelation 19, 11, which is the words faithful and true. Okay. And so that's where we, we ended last week. We're going to pick up there. Uh, and we're going to talk about this thousand-year reign, the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, but honestly, if you read through Revelation, John is attempting to describe all the things that are being revealed to him. He doesn't have the language for it. He's seeing things he's never seen before. Uh, we know that, obviously. And so uh, it is so indescribable, so hard. Our human minds, uh, we just do our, the best that we can to try to wrap our, our arms and our minds around all the different things that are described by John uh, in Revelation. But what we're going to do here is Pastor Nicole is going to read some scripture from Revelation 19, and then I'll add some commentary to it and just kind of uh, explain or unpack what the scripture says. So picking up in Revelation 19, 11 through 16. Yeah, so it says, I saw heaven, so this is John describing, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse whose rider is called Faithful and True, with justice he judges and wages war. His eyes are like blazing fire. So we see here that he has passionate pure eyes. His eyes are, they, if you can envision eyes that are, um, they, they purge the bacteria of sin, if you will, okay? So his eyes are so pure that they are ablaze, all right? Mm -hmm. So that's what we see here. In and 12. on his head are many crowns. So this signifies his uh, all-encompassing authority. This is where mm -hmm. the phrase king of kings comes from, one of the places. And so we see in, in this moment, every kingdom in the world has become his, okay? And so he has, on his head are many crowns. He has a name written on him that no one knows but he himself. So with all the names What's we the do... What's the name, Quint? What's the I name? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> with all the names that are written and shared with us throughout the New Testament, throughout the entire Bible, there is yet one more name that only he knows, and that mm -hmm. name is written on himself and revealed, it seems, in this moment. That's really cool. Um, he's dressed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is the Word of God. What's up with that? Okay, dripped so in blood. He, he is dripped in blood because, as we sang this morning, actually, he has been fighting for us. He is how we fight our battles. And so he is fighting, is warring on our behalf. His shed blood is what brought us to salvation. And so it's appropriate that, uh, that he, his garment would be dipped in blood. Uh, verse 14, the armies of heaven were following him, riding on white horses and dressed in fine linen, white and clean. So here we see he is the God of angel armies. He commands armies and they obey him. 
Uh, verse 15, coming out of his mouth is a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron scepter. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So the sword of his word executes judgment. We see that spelled out here. It strikes down the nations. It rules them with an iron scepter. He is coming to judge the earth, okay? He is the judge, and we see that revealed to us here in Revelation. He cannot be God if he doesn't judge sin, okay? He cannot be just if he doesn't judge sin. He is the God of love, and he does not desire that any of us should perish, okay? But in his heart of love, he repeats his word over and over again that we might turn to him. We talked some about this last week. He does everything he can to bring everyone to repentance, but he is a just God as well as a loving God. So uh, we just, in Revelation chapter 1, there's a few more verses that describe him, um, and it kind of adds to the description of Christ when he returns. Do you want to read those? So I will read the scriptures. Pastor Nicole will add uh, some commentary here. In, in Revelation 1, 14 to 16, it says, The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a, in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. Okay, so the first thing I thought when I read this was the hair on his head was white like wool. So if anybody's getting white hair, you're just becoming more like Jesus. Okay, like that's what I think we're going to just say. The more white hair you have, that's not... That played better in this, this service than it Nobody did even it. laughed at the first service when I said that, you guys. So I tried it on you. Some of you got it. Okay, anyway. Um, his feet... Uh, are like bronze glowing in a furnace. So I looked up uh, what bronze is a combination of iron and copper. Okay, I didn't know this. Iron is strong, but it rusts. Copper won't rust, but it's pliable. And so bronze is combining iron and copper. And so it's the best quality of each that is preserved, the strength of the iron and the endurance of the copper. And so what I'm really believing we're trying to communicate here, the scripture is saying that the rule of Christ is set on this strength. Like the foundation of his power has been tested by fire and it is strong and will always endure. All right, so then Revelation 1.16 says, In his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all of its brilliance. Yeah, so um, the right hand, why, why that's significant, is right hand is a picture of readiness. Um, in the Old Testament, Joseph was blessed by Jacob's right hand. The Red Sea was divided by God when Moses stretched out his right hand. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. Okay, so it's this trend in the scripture that right hand means they're ready. And so Jesus is ready. He, he will not be caught off guard. He knows when the time is right to come again and, and redeem the earth. And he is ready and waiting. Uh, the other part of that verse I love is like his face is like shining sun. It's like 10,000 suns shining in brilliance, you know. And the goal of John with this vision in Revelation and what you read is not simply to tell us like this is what Jesus looks like. That's helpful. But really it's to remind us who Jesus is. Like who is coming back for us? Well, the perfect priest, right? The source of strength, the righteous judge. You can keep clapping. The sound of love, right? The everlasting light, the king of kings forever and ever. That's who's coming back. And all of these descriptions are descriptions of who this perfect king of kings is that will come back someday. Absolutely. So here's some words from Jesus. If we go back to Mark chapter 13, 
Verses 26 and 27 tells us this. At that time, Jesus speaking here, at that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. All right, so this is telling us on this day, it will be so clear who has pledged their life to Jesus, who has given their life to Jesus, all right? The scripture tells us in Revelation 20 that the enemy at this point, we have this on the timeline, will be locked up for 1,000 years. This is the millennial reign of Christ, okay? He will not be allowed to deceive the nations anymore. And in Revelation 20, verse 4, it describes those who did not take the mark of the beast. It describes those who were martyred on Christ's behalf. Those are who will reign with Christ during this 1,000-year reign. We Again, we, we ended talking about this last week. They will be priests of God. Uh, here, here's the thing. God doesn't keep the ending a secret. That's why we've done these last three weeks and we've been digging in and trying to pique interest and curiosity. He wants us to see the big picture. He wants us to know that the evil and the brokenness and the pain that we witness with our eyes, that we witness with our lives is seen by him. It's not as mighty as we may think at times and he gets the final word, okay? Revelation 20 verse 10 says this, and the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of burning sulfur where the beast and the false prophet had been thrown. They will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So at the end of the day, all of Satan's plans will be shattered, will be broken, will be destroyed. And all the pain and the fear and the things that we endure throughout life, he will know the consequences of them, of causing them, and we will see complete and total redemption from them, okay? So you, you know, might come in here today and might feel some of that injustice and, and, and that brokenness. We all feel that every day with our lives, but we need to remember we know the end of the story. We know that God is at work, that he gets the final word, and that the enemy will be put away forever, okay? We live in a world that was never intended to have that fear and that pain, a world that God created perfect. The enemy has ran rampant, but God has always been weaving a story of redemption back together and back to himself. And so that's what we need to remember that he does get that final word. That's really good. You know, like at the end of this time, God will punish Satan for the way that he has hurt his children. Like it's coming, he promises. And I think in light of this fact, we can let go of our offenses because we will get justice. It may not be on this side of the second coming, but you have to live with the promise because maybe you don't see the resolution yet. But at the end of the day, Jesus wins. The enemy loses. And like you said, I think sometimes when we come up against this end times um, information, it feels scary. Or I shared in the first week um, I tried to buy a bagel and a coffee for $6.66 at Panera, and the lady was like, I'll round it up. And I'm like, why? why? Because she was really worried about selling me something for that amount of money. But here's the thing. It's not scary. If you're a believer in Jesus, the, the, this part isn't going to be pleasant. You're right. But at the end of the day, there's victory and there's hope. And honestly, it's an exciting thing to look toward. It's an exciting thing to anticipate because we know what is going to happen. And so I think it's just really important to remember when Jesus returns, the enemy will be locked up, chained up, stopped from his despicable ways. And after a thousand years, the enemy will be defeated and vanquished forever and ever. And then after that, we will know the judgment of a holy God. Absolutely. Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. Let me read that to you 
as we draw to a close this morning. It says, Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So here, this is describing the moment where your decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life counts for everything, okay? Counts for everything. Put your name in that book of life, all right? Everything that you've done will be exposed will be weighed, will be judged in that moment. And that is why it's so important that Jesus has been made the Lord of your life, that he will represent you in that moment. You will see the depth of why you don't deserve heaven without him at that time, okay? But if you have trusted Jesus with your heart while on this earth, your name will be found in that book of life, okay? You will live in heaven forever with Jesus. If you did not trust him, if you do not believe in him, your name will not be in that book. And what we read here says you will be thrown in to the lake of fire, okay? Not because Jesus wants you to go there, okay? But because nothing unholy, nothing covered in sin can exist in God's presence. That's why we need Jesus, because he cleanses us from all of those things. So if you are here today and you have not made that choice, I want to implore you, we want to implore you, that is the most important decision, most important choice you can ever make, is to choose to be part, to, to, to give your life to Jesus, to submit to him and let him shape your life and cleanse you from all of those things. Yeah, that's so good. And, and honestly, we have no reason to believe that that part of scripture is anything but fact. And so if that is true, uh, and there will be no surprise endings, and your name is either in the book of life or it's not, it's just something you have to deal with. Like, you have to come to reckon with. And, and I, I, I echo the same, Quint. If you're here today, and even if you would say, I'm not sure, like, I'm just not sure, you can be sure. There is a way to know for sure. And I don't want you to leave this building before you talk to somebody. There'll be people at the prayer tables to the right and to the left today um, that would love to just talk to you about um, this question. Are you ready? Like, are you ready for the judgment day? Because it's coming. And the scripture says that someday Jesus will come and he will take with him those who have pledged their lives to him. And so uh, let me just read 1 Peter 3. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. That day will bring about the destruction of the heavens by fire and the elements will melt in the heat. So we want to do something kind of unique today to just draw this three-week conversation to the close. If you would stand, um, I want to teach you a song. About eight years ago, I got kind of into this worship-leading thing and uh, this call of ministry on my life, and there was an artist named Phil Wickham. Uh, there still is an artist named Phil Wickham, and he has several songs that I think do such a great job uh, talking about this time, this, this end days time, but in this hope-filled way, not in this not in a scary or, or doomsday way, but this hope-filled way. And so this song is called Carry My Soul. We've never sang it here. I want to teach you the chorus real quick. And then every time we come back around to the chorus, you can, uh, you can join me. So let me just... Uh... And I will run. Oh, and I won't quit. Chasing your heart. 
just like David did. Let's sing that. And I will run, oh, and I won't quit, chasing your heart, just like David did. All right, here we go. hear you say well done I want to be welcomed in I want to feel your love like sunshine on my resurrected skin I want to hear the music play I want to hear the trumpet sound I want to hear you call my name and watch my feet lift off the ground that chorus and I will run oh and I won't quit chasing your heart just like David did and I will run oh and I won't quit chasing your heart just like David
should we be? Holy and godly people who are waiting and ready. Let us wait, let's anticipate, let us live ready. My prayer is we could be a church who is strong in the waiting and strong in the watching, that we would be vigilant and we would work on being holy and godly waiting and living forward because Jesus said he's coming again and we believe that he is, we believe his promises. Thanks for digging in with us the last few weeks. Look for the bonus podcast this week on Thursday. It'll come out. We'll see you next Sunday at 9 and 11. And happy Mother's Day. Thank you for listening to the Erie First podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram or visit eriefirst.org for our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.